Good afternoon. My name is Roy Taylor and welcome to Freedom of Species. Freedom of Species brings animal advocacy to the airwaves. It's a radio program dedicated to raising awareness of issues concerning animals and this includes advocacy, activism, protection, conservation and importantly appreciation. We're broadcasting from the 3CR studios in Melbourne, Australia. We're streamed live via the 3CR website, with our podcasts also available on the 3CR website and our own website, freedomofspecies.org. And you can go to iTunes if you wish and listen to all our previous podcasts. Just search for Freedom of Species. And in today's show, we have a friend of the show, Vincent Baraud. Hello, Vincent. Hi, Roy. How are you? I'm very well. How are you doing today? Brilliant. We've just had some vegan burritos and they've been very good. Absolutely delicious. Can we say where it's from? I don't think we're allowed to, but it's very close to the studios. (laughs) So Vincent's going to, we're going to be interviewing Vincent today. Uh, Vincent's got a blog called The... The Animalist. And you also run some Facebook groups. That's right. Friendly and pragmatic vegans and vegetarians. Friendly and pragmatic vegans and vegetarians. Well, that that will be, uh, that will be a novel thing. And also, uh, you're going to be talking about um, biotechnology and how, in your opinion, that's a force for good for veganism. Absolutely. I think that's probably the biggest source of improvement for all sentient animals. Great. In terms of reducing suffering and not exploiting them. Excellent. And that will be a different point of view than many vegans who kind of... uh, or pro-organic and things like that. So that's going to be interesting to talk about. Yeah, I'm not necessarily going to be against organic, even though I don't subscribe to the organic philosophy. Yeah. But I definitely want to promote the idea that we should embrace technology. Cool. So first of all, we'll go to a show promo. Uh, we'll listen to Lawrence Probe again. And then we'll be back with some community announcements. Lawrence Pope, Victorian Advocates for Animals. You know, it doesn't matter where I am, around Australia or across the globe, people ask me the same question. Why don't we have programs like 3CR's Freedom of Species? Why don't we have independent radio? Not radio that's a puppet of the millionaires and the billionaires, but radio that reflects the real concerns of people like you, the very salt of this great country, from Warrnambool to Wonthaggy, from Malakuta to Kootamundra, 3CR, they're kind of cats, they're for the bats, that's independent radio, that's freedom of species, not the enslavement of species, I said the freedom of species. You know what to do, donate to independent radio and warm your heart while you're cooling the planet. This is Lawrence Pope for Victorian Advocates for Animals and 3CR, wishing your species all the best. So thanks to Lawrence Pope for that, and we've got some community announcements today, and unusually for once, no Victorian ones. 
Uh, And these are all things that are going on today, so you probably won't be able to rush to this event if you're listening to this show, but maybe you will. And certainly it's worth knowing what's going on if you're ever in Perth, because Animal Liberation Western Australia today, uh, and in fact... Oh, they have a different time zone. You can get to this event. <laughs> Maybe you're not if you're not if you're on the east coast of Australia, but if you're in WA, you can, because between 11 a.m. and 2 a.m. 2 p.m. today, um, they will be having another leafleting day in Perth City for all those that are interested in doing some activism and also meeting like-minded people. Uh, this is from a Facebook uh, page they've got. Says They say that these events are great for getting involved in activism and give people a good chance to meet other activists. They've had some very good positive responses from people um, that they've provided leaflets to in the past, making leafleting and leafleting is a great way to begin educating people who may not have ever considered what happens to animals before they get to the plate. So the leaflets they got today is uh, why people should choose veganism, the environmental impacts of agriculture, and guides on how to go vegan um, and they've got a table and all the things that you need. So they're going to meet at the front of the State Library and break off into groups to hand out leaflets in both Northbridge and along Murray Street in the city. And then they'll be going for lunch afterwards. Indeed, so, to my knowledge, leafleting works. Leaf, uh, I believe there's been studies, many studies in the US about effective activism that have shown that leafleting really does work far more than we might expect, especially, they say, leafleting outside universities, which is why Vegan Outreach focuses on leafleting outside universities, but certainly uh, Animals Australia or One Step for the Animals in America uh, do a lot of leafleting, uh, not just at universities. And if your message is adequate and if you take your, your audience into consideration with a message that is palatable, Leafleting can go a long way. Absolutely. And I think the re- one of the reasons it's neglected is because it's an advertising mechanism that corporations generally don't use. And I think when assessing the reasons corporations don't do things, it's worth bearing in mind that they've got different resources than we have. Exactly. They can afford billboards and cover the place in billboards. Activists can't do that. It's cost-effective. And, and, yeah, and a corporation would have to be employing people to leaflet. Whereas for activist groups, the, the, the people already want to do things. Uh, if you're an activist, you want to go out there and, and spread your message. And so there is no overhead in terms of employing people. The only overhead is the actual leaflet itself, which is relatively inexpensive. And it's got, also got the advantage that if people have got questions... The, they don't have to go online. They can just go to the person that gives them the leaflet and say, what's about protein or whatever they're likely to say. Absolutely. So I think yeah. it's really good. So good on Animal Liberation WA for going out and doing that. Well done. Yeah. Uh, we've also got some other things in Adelaide um, at 6 o'clock tonight. Sea Shepherd Adelaide are heading to Port McDonnell where, where they'll be running a beach cleanup. Um, in their announcement, they talk, eight mil- talk about 8 million metric tons of land-based fantastic. plastic goes into the oceans every year. Not that. That's not fantastic. No, that's not fantastic. No, <laughs> not fantastic. <laughs> not fantastic. The beach cleanup, so enthusiastic about it. Yes. My goodness. I have to tell you about one of my pet projects after that. Okay. Do, uh, do you want to tell us now or later? Oh, you finished that. Yeah, well, it's uh, essentially they say 
meet on the foreshore by the jetty at Port, Port McDonnell. Uh, this is Sea Shepherd, um, Sea Shepherd Adelaide at six o'clock, and bring a hat, water, wear clothes in shoes, sun protection, and strong gloves. And great work for them. Excellent. Absolutely. So I've got two projects that I'm not really going to go in details about because then I would set myself some sort of a deadline and I'd rather take my time this year to 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 get them started. One of them being setting up a one step for the animals in, in, in Melbourne. The aim of this is to reduce the number of animals suffering as much as possible. Uh, so the aim is not to um, promote veganism as such, but to tell people to stop eating birds, to stop eating chicken in particular, because eating, stop eating chickens in particular, yeah. because chickens, eating chickens means killing a lot more individual animals. So it is promoting plenty of animal-friendly recipes, vegan recipes, same thing. Uh, but it's with the aim of telling people to stop eating those beautiful individual birds that are chickens. But the other thing that I... I'm pretty excited about we'll start as an individual project of cleaning up the environment around us. Okay. And this is great because just by cleaning up the the environment around you, it's beneficial for all animals, clearly. That's kind of goes without saying. I mean, the the impact of plastic on sentient animals is dreadful and it's more and more publicized that it's terrible for our, our environment and the animals and ourselves. So the idea is to raise, uh, to fundraise for Animals Australia, which is, I believe, one of the most fantastic organizations we have in Australia. I can't praise enough two organizations that are Animals Australia and the Animal Justice Party. I think they both do a fantastic job. But back to my idea. So I would be cleaning up the environment around me and picking up a certain amount of rubbish uh, each day, and then if people donate money, which goes to Animals Australia, I'll be just picking up more items each day okay. and spending more time each day picking up items, and that's to raise awareness for animal for animals around us, our environment, donating to Animals Australia, showing that we can all do a little bit of something that doesn't necessarily need completely changing our lifestyle, our diet, the political system, whatnot, that we don't have to wait for all this to happen, that everyone can do also a little something. And it's also to show that our what we do has an impact on, uh, to insist on the consequences of choices we make. And if you walk past a piece of rubbish and it's not yours, you didn't throw it. Well, mostly, most of the time we don't pick it up because it's not our rubbish. We didn't throw it. Yeah. So we don't feel morally implicated in this. But the consequence of us walking past that piece of rubbish is exactly the same as if we threw it ourselves. That's true, yeah. And I want to encourage that type of thinking as well from that project. So it's it's a rough draft, what I just said. Like I need to fine-tune it yeah. and launch it. I actually picked up rubbish this week, which I no, I'm not always doing that, but... Uh, I was cycling to work and I went three, past three tied-together balloons. Uh, still inflated, um, but on the cycle path. And I thought, they're eventually going to ha- end up in the ocean. And they're going to look so like some bright jellyfish, some purple jellyfish or something. And some fish is going to go for them, some turtles, some dolphin. And it's going to go in the gut and it's going to be an awful death. Absolutely awful. And then if some small animal eats that... 
some larger animal's going to eat it, and all I have to do is get off my bike and go over and burst those balloons, which is good fun on the way to work, bursting balloons anyway. You know, <laughs> yes. <laughs> wakes me up a bit. And then just put that in your pocket and carry on the way to work. And you may have saved an individual's life from a horrendous death at some point in the future. So I, I try and do that. And the, my thing that I really hate is the plastic beer can holders, the six or four yeah. rings. They are so easy for animals to get trapped in putting their neck through or something like that. Yeah, and once you've seen a picture of an animal yeah, whose neck was trapped in there, it's just so awful. You can't so get it. I, whenever I see those things, I just rip every hole in them at yeah. the very li- uh, and then put it in the bin. But just in case it falls out of the bin, it's no longer got holes in it. It's, it's a strand of plastic. Awful things. Terrible. Awful things. So, two more community announcements. And then we'll chat more with Vincent. Um, first of all, a project that I've been involved in in previous years, and I'm taking a back seat from this year, is the this year's Animal Activist Forum. That's not for some months. It's on the 15th and 16th of October in Queensland at the Southport Community Centre. It's, a, in my opinion, quite a good conference, uh, being mo- modest there, um, f- of animal advocates, activists of all kinds, networking to share information, strategy, and learn and become better advocates for animals. So that's the Animal Activist Forum. Uh, tickets are going on sale at the start of July, but I'm announcing that today because if you're interested in speaking or you have a recommendation for a speaker, you can email our, or the forums, agenda coordinator at presentations at activistforum.com. That's presentations at activistforum.com if you have a recommendation for a speaker or if you have a subject you would like to talk about. And our criteria is really looking for speakers who can share information with activists on how they can be better activists. So if you're thinking of starting a group or or you have a particular thought on a form of spirituality, that's not the kind of thing we're looking for. What we are looking for is practical tips on how people can be better advocates in so many ways. Now, that could be psychological techniques for staying healthy. That could be presentation skills. That could be technical skills. Anything that would help people be better at being an activist. And uh, just email presentations at activistforum.com if you'd like to be considered for the agenda. And then the final thing I'd like to announce today is the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses uh, are doing some protests coming up soon, in particular over at Adelaide Oakbank at Easter. If you'd like to join the CPR for that, they, you'll be vo- most welcome. And just go to Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses website, horseracingkills.com. So we'll go to another announcement. This is a promo for Earth Matters, and we'll be back with Vincent. We're talking about ecological thinning and subsidised longing, but we basically mean the same things, don't we, here? Wherever there are chemical corporations around the world, they're constantly trying to chip away at regulations. Earth Matters, bringing you environmental and social justice stories, from developments in government and industry to the campaigns and communities that are standing up to them. Earth Matters plays at 11am Sunday and 6.30am Wednesday. Turn your dial to 855am 
or listen online at 3cr.org.au. While the headlines have subsided, the nuclear power plant is still not under control, with the spent fuel rods removed from only one out of four reactors. Law needs to change so that uh, our rights can be recognised, so that decisions in relation to the use and exploitation of our lands is ours. So, we're in the studio with Vincent Baraud, the animalist. So, Vincent, tell us about the animalist. Well, in short, animalism is just like humanism, but inclusive, inclusive of all sentient animals. Now, humanism is a doctrine, an attitude, a way of life, centered on human interests or values, especially a philosophy that usually rejects supernaturalism and stresses an individual's dignity and worth and capacity for self-realization through reason. Now, animalism is a philosophical and ethical stance that emphasizes the value of sentient beings, sentient animals, animals that can feel and... Uh, animalism is similar to humanism, except that it does not exclude non-human sentient animals simply because they don't belong to our species. Animalism promotes the consideration of the interests of all animals. An animalist considers the animals as individuals and as sentient beings able to feel physical pain. So animalism disputes the confusion between what it means to be a moral agent. What's a moral agent? It's a being who's capable of acting with reference to right or wrong. And a moral patient. What's a moral patient? That's a being who cannot formulate or follow moral principles and rules. Now, just because an animal is not a moral agent, so an, an animal generally, a non-human animal generally, is not capable of acting with reference to right or wrong, so just because they're not a moral agent doesn't mean that they can't have rights. It doesn't mean that moral agents can't have duties towards them. Animalism can be seen as an expansion of humanist values towards all other animal species able to suffer. In practice... Animalists take into account, so as I said, the interests of animals in their daily lives when making lifestyle and political choices. So, of course, a spider, a fish, a rabbit, a chicken or a human don't have the exact same needs and rights. Yet they all have an interest to live and not suffer. Taking a chicken's life, an interest to live and not suffer into account, there's no way an animalist could justify bu buying broiled chicken meat, for, exa for example, in this case. It's a moment of culinary satisfaction compared to a lifetime of suffering. Removing or killing a dangerous animal, such as venomous spiders from a place where they could seriously hurt young children, is also a logical reaction, taking into account the interests of a young, in this example human child, to live and not be in severe pain compared to the interest of a spider to live. So clearly in that case, I would very much promote removing the spider or killing the spider if it's necessary, of course. Uh, but even then, moral considerations suggest the death should be as painless as practically possible. It's logical for animalists to embrace compassionate lifestyles, such as reducetarianism, which is reducing your intake of animal products, vegetarianism, or a plant-based diet. Activities such as animal racing or rodeos, where animals are treated as commodities for entertainment, are clearly morally questionable. Animalists will also consider including animal charities when donating time or money. 
Animalists, just like humanists, generally prefer critical thinking and evidence, rationalism uh, over established doctrine or superstition. So not to be on dogma or superstition, but rather follow a science-based, evidence-based approach. It can be associated with animal welfare, animal rights, animal equality, animal liberation, anti-speciesism or veganism. Animalism differs from veganism in that veganism prescribes very specific lifestyle and offers no variance. Analytically, one cannot pretend to be a vegan if they make exceptions to the rules. Animalism is much more broadly a statement of anti-speciesism and prescribes discussions on choices and ethics, allowing for variance, for diversity of uh, practices, potentially, of course, opinions. Mm. So I've got a few questions. Sure, great. And uh, I guess I would class myself more as an animalist under that criterion because I am quite... uh, I'm loathe to accept... uh, I I have a personal uh, repulsion to dogma. I don't like dogma, even when it's dogmas that tend to fit in with my own own worldview. Uh, I used to be very proud of the vegan label, and now I am just don't think I like labels anyway, um, and particularly one which is prescriptive. It uh, reminds me of the thou shalt not of Christianity that I was brought up with. That's right. It's about the animals, not about the labels. Yes. So let's compare animalism with veganism, and I'm going to play devil's advocate somewhat. Good. Let's have a go. So <laughs> why should I, first of all, why should I, if I'm a humanist, first of all, we'll do the easy one before we go into the vegan question. If I consider myself a humanist, why would I branch out and start considering animals and, and change from humanism to animalism? For the same reason, you should consider consider individuals from various uh, genders, ethnicities, backgrounds, abilities, uh, why would you deny uh, consideration to uh, an individual just because they don't belong to a species when and if they are able to um, feel, be aware to some extent of their existence, their existence in time? Uh, I think it would take... Uh, a fair bit of denial to to refuse to consider an individual just because it's an animal. I mean, it's not uh, the 18th century anymore. We we know that animals are very much like us on many aspects. It may not be the 18th century, but it is the 21st. And over in America, there's many people who like the libertarian objectivist view of morality, which is based on a view that we have rights because... It allows, um, uh, it's a sharing of responsibilities. Other people have duties to us because we have duties to them. There is a reciprocal arrangement between members of a society. Now, obviously, we don't believe animals have got a duty to us. So why should we have a duty to them? For the same reason we should have a duty to someone who is not able to uh, survive on their own. If that person was a human... 
there's many humans who can't survive on their own for various reasons and we wouldn't i'm sure i hope we wouldn't be just ignoring them on the pretext that they can't reciprocate so you're saying that if if the person is a believes that we have a duty to the anyone who can't fend for themselves and can't owe us any form of duty then there's no real difference morally between us having a duty to that person who can't reciprocate and an animal that can't reciprocate duties. That's correct. And of course, various species and various animal individuals would be different. So what I'm saying is take those specific interests of a specific animal into consideration before making choices. Okay. And sometimes the choice is obvious, like refusing factory farm meat because a moment of pleasure versus a life of horrible sufferance. In that case, that's just really the easiest possible choice. So, the ardent abolitionist vegan may say something to you like, veganism is the only way to address structural prejudice against animals when we have a, let's say we come up with a phrase, moral baseline. <laughs> and say, this is the absolute minimum that we should do, and that's not partake in any form of animal usage. Why isn't that good enough for you, Vincent? Um, I think that's exclusive. Uh, I, th I, I appreciate veganism as a set of guidelines that can be extremely useful. It's a marvelous tool when it's seen as uh, a boycott, uh, a boycott of products of animal exploitation and animal sufferance. So I think it's well worth promoting, and I applaud the excellent work of Vegan Adridge. Uh I have a problem with veganism when it becomes uh, exclusive of those seen as not vegan. I don't care if something is vegan or not vegan. I think what matters is talking about it and seeing the consequences of whatever we're talking about on animals, human and non-human animals. Like when I hate the sentence, it's vegan or it's not vegan, because we should ask ourselves if it's good or not, fair or unfair. Society should let it take place or end it or perhaps create stricter rules around it. I hate the sentence because when you're trying to debate an issue and someone answers, it's not vegan, well, first others might say otherwise, but also it seems like it's the end of it. No one is permitted to think about it anymore. also hate it because it means that the animal-related matter being discussed is not objective. It's not a legitimate question that should matter for society as a whole. It's like it only matters for vegans to know if it's vegan or not vegan. But it's, it's a society problem. It's, it's a problem for everyone, whether you're vegan or not. To me, it sounds like an appeal. The, the, the statement of one shouldn't eat it because it's not a vegan sounds to me like the appeal to authority fallacy. Where we go, well, I agree. Yes, we shouldn't do that because someone says that it's inappropriate to do that. In fact, I look back at a video that I saw about a year ago where someone asked a question about mussels and oysters to the, the it was to Gary Urofsky and the vegan and black metal chef. Now, in my do you have you seen that video? Yes, I have, and I've, wrote, I've written about it as well. Yeah, tell us about what you've written about it. I'm interested in your thoughts now, and I'll see if it matches my own. Well, Gary Yurovsky's reply was most unfortunate. All he could say while looking extremely smug was, It's not vegan. 
basically it doesn't match my understanding of the definition of vegan animal therefore not vegan can't talk about it can't talk about sentience don't can't talk about how they are farmed or harvested can't talk about the possibility for sentience or not the difference between uh, pain and suffering zero discussion just um, there's the word animal not vegan can't talk about it must not eat them in my opinion in that vi- in that video that really changed my opinion of uh, Gary Rofsky because I'd seen his uh, videos where he talked to schools and universities in the past. I thought, wow, this is a fantastic public speaker. Um, incredibly powerful. And then my assessment of him dropped, I'm afraid, on that day because to me, to me, the feeling I had was arrogance um, that his reply wasn't considered. It was just... This is a not smug. It, it came across to me as smug, and I think that is not. If one's an advocate f- uh, for for animals, one even talking to other advocates, one shouldn't be smug about one's definitions or someone's asking a legitimate question. Exactly. Uh, the vegan black metal chef, his answer was a lot more considered. Yeah, it was uh, interesting. It was interesting. He, he believed, I believe, he had a background in zoology or something like that. I don't remember what it was exactly. Yeah, but he knew. He had some content to talk about. Yes, I personally disagreed with what Black Mill Chef said, but, but he, at a, least he was accepting some sort of a conversation and giving a, an argument about it, and I was pertinent. Actually, I wonder if that's a really good video to recommend people to watch because it shows how to not answer a question yes. uh, <laughs> and and how to answer a question if you've got some knowledge. Like, this is something I, they both believe the same thing. Like Gary, Gary yes, Rowski yes. and the vegan black metal chef were both not for eating mussels or oysters. But the te- technique of delivery of their message was so much different from one to the other. It's actually not a bad case study in effective communication, I think. I guess so. It would have been interesting to also have someone who cares for animals and does eat oysters and mussels yes. to give a different perspective yeah. rather than a one-sided discussion. Yeah. So... That's the point of view. Now I'm going to be, um, I'm going to be devil's advocate here, and I'm going to put forward the hypothesis that veganism is what we should be arguing for, not because the direct effect on animals. What I'm going to argue for now is that if we all go vegan, it creates an unquestion. Uh, the, there is a benefit to an unquestioning, unwavering moral viewpoint in the same way that in america and now i don't agree with their views but the national rifle association you know what their answer is going to be (laughs) in any question about gun ownership they they are unwavering they're single-minded and they are effective because of unfortunately they are effective because of that dogmatic viewpoint isn't there a role for dogmatism I don't embrace it. Uh, I, um, if it's proven to be effective for animals, which I have not, I haven't seen any evidence of this at all. I've seen evidence to the contrary that uh, being more pragmatic and approachable uh, works. Um, I mean, I, if someone wants to be that way, go and go and do your stuff. Yeah, I'm worried and concerned about all the people you will be turning off. Helping animals because you demand all or nothing. 
to me, if you demand all or nothing, it's one of the quickest ways to get nothing. But surely, shouldn't we demand what we actually want rather than some halfway measure that's a watered-down desire for what... uh, some halfway watered-down request, not actually what we want? Ideally, I want a complete end of animal exploitation. I want slaughterhouses to be abolished. I want meat to be abolished. I'm in favor of the abolition of meat. And I don't see that going out in the street and telling people I demand the abolition of meat. Oh, it's good, actually. Uh, once in a while, a demonstration showing, yeah, we want the abolition of meat. That's actually, I'm convincing myself of the opposite. Yeah, it's great. I would be in favor of such a demonstration. And they do happen once a year. And I think they're fantastic. So, yes, I agree with showing what our goals are. Clearly, I think there's value in this. I'm not disputing this at all. But I think that it's detrimental if we don't also accept step forwards, steps in the right direction. We've all learned to walk with baby steps. Uh, the animals are not going to benefit if they have to wait for a complete and utter change of society that everyone or the vast majority of the population have to change the way they see things radically. I'm wondering, uh, I've talked to a few vegans in the past, uh, the last few years, who went vegan overnight. And, right, and that is the way that they tend to advocate. I'm I'm going to make the guess now that that's not what happened for yourself. That's right. What 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 was your story? Ah, uh, my personal story is I went vegetarian because a friend of mine went vegetarian. That's in the early 1990s in France. He went vegetarian, and I thought that was really stupid because I believed that it was just wrong because it's not natural because. Meat is needed and it's rah, 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 and the nature of things, circle of life, all of yeah. that. And so I, 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 I knew I was going to prove him wrong, that he was being silly. And so I talked to him and he had a lot more to say than I thought and talked to him for – it was before the internet. So we talked for weeks and weeks and every time I would go back home, think about what he said in order to prove him wrong. So I was engaged and thought about animals uh, – and do we need to eat them? Do we need to do what we do to them? Or can we not live without uh, eating them and killing them and exploiting them so much or at all? And I, yeah, lost miserably because 25 years later, I'm an animal activist and I have been a vegetarian for 25 years. Some might say vegan, some might say, no, you're not vegan, don't care. <laughs> so yes you don't care on and it's all about the animals yes so you're promoting the concept of the animal or animalism uh you're doing this with a blog at the moment yeah that's right the animalist okay it's on so, medium.com how, how do we find that blog on medium.com medium. it's called the animalist okay or you just do a search for the animalist uh include probably medium on your search because there's something in the u.s called animalist Okay. And back to veganism and the value of veganism, sure. I think the boycott is tremendous and really important, an important part of the struggle. It's one part of the struggle. And obsessing over whether someone is 100% in that boycott is a waste of time, and we have only limited time and resources. And using that time and resource to obsess over the last 10 or 5% is a complete waste of time, which is not taking the world as we live in and the envir- and, and the animals into consideration. I mean, someone who's going to be 
vegan or vegetarian except for this or except for that is already going to be doing a lot and a lot more than most people. Um, the boycott is one thing. We can also vote. We can choose to vote for candidates who t uh, have the best reforms when it comes to animals. In Australia, in most places, we're in many places, we're lucky. We have the fantastic Animal Justice Party to vote for. Uh, we can sign petitions. We can go to demonstrations. We can rescue and we can choose where we donate money. That's also very important. We can donate money to Animals Australia, who is very pragmatic. We can donate money to the Animal Justice Party once again. We can donate money to One Step for the Animals. There's the um, Animal Charity Evaluators. Ah, yes. Uh, that's worth looking up. The Animal Charity Evaluators. That's in the US, yes. Yes, but they also look at other organizations. They did review Animals Australia, for example. Oh, right, okay. And they're amongst the top recommendations. Cool. Uh, and donating money really goes a long way for many people who might work full-time or something and don't have time to go out and give leaflets. Very important part of the of the activism, in my opinion. We can also choose to donate to uh, biotechnology um, startups. Right, so we're going to come to biotechnology after this break. We have a bit of music, and then we'll come back on biotech. This is a little tune by Mazin Jones, Guy Evans, and Nick Turner. It's called 20th Century. Hello, you're listening to Freedom of Species, Animal Activists on the Airwaves on 3CR, 855 AM. That was Guy Evans, Maslin Jones and Nick Turner of Hawkwind uh, playing a song, 20th Century. And in the studio today, uh, Vincent Maraud, the animalist and uh, an activist based in Melbourne, Australia. And Vincent um, ended the last bit of our interview by mentioning that one of the ways that we can support advocacy for animals is to provide support to biotechnology startups a bit of a controversial and innovative unusual comment on about animal activism so vincent why biotech and why startups first up i'll say that in my opinion while it's still extremely important to uh, do animal activism to uh, to be active to have better laws for the animals, to get companies to change their practices, to try to change mentalities, to promote more animal-friendly options everywhere, to encourage people to go vegetarian, vegetarian, vegan. This is all really important to do. And I encourage anyone who's listening to, to do all these things. And if you're still eating animals, to either reduce what you're eating, not eat chickens, or contemplate going vegan, definitely. Having said this, I think that supporting biotechnology could be more important to, to could just change the whole game in a way that activism will never get to change it. So presumably you're not talking about all biotech, we're talking about specific kinds? Yeah, uh, I'm talking about replacing um, meat, cheese and milk with the animal-friendly equivalent through biotechnology. 
I'll get back to this in a moment. I'd just like to say why I am, in fact, pro-GMO. Okay. I'm pro-GMO because uh, thanks to GMO, we can, from a vegan slash animalist perspective, uh, where we can create plants rich in nutrients, such as vitamin B12 or DHA omega-3, uh, that will just be right there in plants we can eat. Uh, for the environment, we can create plants that use fewer pesticides and fertilizers that helps us strive towards a sustainable agriculture that's less detrimental to um, all life on this planet. Fewer, fewer insects will be killed. There'd be less runoff uh, that would otherwise poison fish. Uh, we would produce plenty to feed the world uh, in an efficient way. In fact, uh, recent meta-analysis shows that GM crops reduce pesticide use by 37%. That was published by the American Council on Science and Health. Uh, last year in November. And that's just one of the examples why GMO is better for the environment. Also, when it comes to big business, actually, often anti-GMO activists will say, oh, GMO, it's all Monsanto, the devil, and blah, 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 and all black and white. Well, actually, as long as policy and regulations are shaped by unfounded fears, only the larger corporations will have the means to overcome them. So I say, let's level the playing field and allow for smaller independent researchers to use these tools. A more rational approach should be adopted by the people and their representatives. So that's why I'm saying to support independent uh, biotechnology startups, and I'll be happy to put links uh, somewhere or other. Definitely in The Animalist, you can always find uh, links to biotechnology startups I believe we should support. Uh, we can put some links on the Freedom of Species page, associated with this interview uh, if you've got some links available. Yes, definitely I do. That's an interesting point of view. I would never have come up with that position that it by us, be, by us being somewhat dogmatically and if one was to be anti and dogmatically anti-GMO, one is creating a position where only the large companies can force through the GMO product. Absolutely, and being pro-GMO doesn't mean being pro-everything big companies do. That's two separate issues. Uh, however, using big companies to our advantage uh, can be beneficial too. And one, the most exciting thing for me with regards to why I am very much pro-GMO and I encourage biotechnology is that we can create lab-grown meat uh, there's a professor, I believe he's called Mark Price, but my memory is not the best on that, in the Netherlands is working on that lab-grown meat that's regularly making the news that used to it cost him something like $225,000 to make a steak, the first one, and then uh, a few months later with more research it cost him just a few hundred dollars to make the same steak, and so it's just... Uh, the cost is reducing, reducing, reducing. So that rate of development... <laughs> And that rate of cost reduction, if we can at all infer any form of of inference of where the price is going to be, the aim, this I could believe, bankrupt the livestock yes. industry. That's right. And there was an article in ABC on the ABC about the – it was specifically about the Northern Territory cattlemen and how they'd be out of a job because of lab-grown meat. 
I'm like, yeah. Great. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's my point. Bring it um, on. Like I wish for them to uh, find other jobs. I don't uh, wish ill on them. I not at all. And this they... is no comment on the northern cattlemen. Absolutely but not. But we don't want them killing animals. That's right. So to me, that's just the proof that, yeah, exactly, that's what I'm talking about. And in California, I know there's many startups that work on making real uh, vegan cheese, as in real vegan cheese, not other, like there are right vegan cheeses that use coconut oil or uh, almond or cashews. They're nice, okay, but, but we're talking about... Would you about, savor them with a glass of red wine? Yes, I do, actually. You do? Although with a beer, but... Okay. Uh, yes, I, I like them, but they're not like dairy cheese. They're still a little different, and um, I don't expect that millions of people are going to switch to vegan cheese readily. Okay. Creating milk without using... Uh, animals without exploiting animals is what Mufri in California is working on. Now that is this is so exciting. Yes, because in the same way that the price of cars went down when Henry Ford went to an industrial way of manufacture, the cost of producing milk, if it could be done in a chemical process, that's what plant, I'm talking about. Again, we can drive the dairy business bankrupt. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And so there's also real vegan cheese and there's Memphis meats, also working on different uh, animal-friendly meats. Um, now, at this stage, there is uh, there are some animals being used, but in ways that are not necessarily exploitative. Uh, I'm aware of three ways. One is just using the DNA, and that's there's absolutely no animal exploitation whatsoever. It's just numbers on a computer screen. They've already been studied. Another one is using um, a sample, a DNA sample from the animal, and that's just a, a harmless matter of taking the sample, and it's done on humans regularly. It's entirely harmless. You do have to have the animal there, and I think with a sample you can produce uh, something like 10 tons of meat. Okay. So instead of killing... Millions of animals to get meat, you just have to have an animal where you take a sample and it's completely so it harmless. Takes a muscle and you biopsy. create, yes, that's right. Yes. You create tons of meat through that. Okay. And another way is to use frozen animal embryo. Uh, and that's what the guy in the Netherlands is using at the okay. moment. Yeah. So the two latter certainly aren't vegan in the fact they involve the usage of an animal. Um, but certainly the second one sounds, to me, unarguably preferable to sending animals to their death in slaughterhouses and lives of undurable agony, unenduring, well, unbearable agony in factory farms. Absolutely. Yeah. And either way of these three ways. Now, I don't know just yet. I will be talking more to these scientists working in those labs about when do you use one of those three uh, yeah. methods. For what exactly, and do you need to always keep on using them? And how can you minimize uh, any negative impact on any individual animal? However, it's obvious that it will save millions of animals. I'm not talking about hundreds of animals. I'm talking about millions of animals. And, I mean, if we can offer an animal-friendly alternative, it's the same product, and it's cheaper... Also, on top of being cheaper, it's much better for the animals. It's much better for the environment because you don't 
need all that space. There won't be all the sewage effluents from That's right. pig farms, the algal blooms in the ocean as a result of the livestock industry. Yes, as is uh, demonstrated in Caspiracy, which can be seen on Netflix. Yeah. The uh, negative uh, environmental impact of animal agriculture is, is, is daunting. Uh, so if you can have these products cheaper, much better for the animals and the environment, and you don't have to wait to convert billions of people to have a radical change of political system or diet or philosophy, you simply rely on people buying the cheapest quality product. That's what I'm talking about. That will is a way to just save millions of animals while at the same time doing all the uh, animal activism we, we traditionally do. Yeah. But this right there. That's going to be the difference. Yes. It's going to be the difference. And we should get behind it and we should all embrace it and we should see how we can support it and accelerate it and support those doing the research and giving out information about the research. There's a website called Vegan GMO. Okay. That's vegangmo.com. Yeah. Dot com. Dot com. Okay. <laughs> yep. Sounds good. This So this looks like the path to animal liberation because it's the way that potentially, uh, and not too far away, the meat industry could be turned from a... a, a in a, well, there still would be a meat industry, but it one that doesn't involve any animals. That's right. It would be a process plant. It'd be a chemical process plant, basically. Yeah, for Raw example... Raw materials with, uh... go in one side and... and meat comes out of the other yeah and i know for example for the cheese they're using uh, genetically modified yeast okay and they're working around that brilliant absolutely and uh there's been hundreds of thousands of studies maybe i'm exaggerating there but there's been thousands of studies proving that gmo is safe for consumption so but a lot of vegans and a lot of people in the animal rights movement are anti-gmo and would be and, and without them really thinking about the, this issue of how it's a path to animal liberation would be against GMO. I understand. I thought that was against GMO before I actually started reading about what it actually is. Yeah. I th- that was pretty much my default position. Everyone, like many people around me or, I don't know, Greenpeace and whatnot, they say, oh, GMO are bad and they're scary. So I think they're bad and they're scary. I actually went and had a look at scientific publications uh, about what a GMO is and isn't, and yeah, it's safe. It's you're just... not you're not scared anymore. Not at all. Not I'm excited. Great. And I think on that note, we're going to have to wrap up the show. So thanks, Vincent. Again, your blog, the Animalist. Dot. Oh, on a on a on a website. Vincent quickly searches. Yes, I may as well just say the address, which I totally should know by heart. Um, it's uh, medium.com slash arrowbase the animalist. The animalist in one word. And I believe anim- uh, arrowbase is French for. Oh, yeah, did I say at? Sorry. At. Yeah, so medium.com slash at, like the little symbol, the animalist. That's great. And that wraps up today's show. So thank you, Vincent. Thank you, Roy. I'm not sure who's on next week, but I'm sure it'll be a great show. I'm sure so. it will be. And uh, we'll go out with some more Nick Turner, Maslin Jones and Guy Evans.